2: Welcome to Center Stage. All things arts and entertainment, we just believe you ought to know about it. There is so much going on in the great state of Minnesota, and I am excited to talk about it during Center Stage. Okay, we're going to start out with an organization called Cultural Jambalaya. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but let me tell you a little bit. They were founded in 2005. Uh, It's a Twin Cities-based nonprofit. And, um, it's a creator and provider for free educational resources that bring the world into the classroom with multimedia content and lesson plans to improve students' global awareness and cross-cultural understanding. And I say this because we are speaking with the equity leader, Leanne Stevens. She is going to receive the 2022 Cultural Jambalaya Diversity Award. And I am excited for her. This will all happen and be recognized on October 13th at a gala. Um, and we're. It, I'm excited to really talk about it tonight. So let's get started. Dr. Leanne Stevens, an equity leader and teacher at St. Louis Park Schools will receive the 2022 Cultural Jambalaya Diversity Award, which honors those who. Who have made a positive difference by advancing multiculturalism and ethnic diversity in their Minnesota communities. Now, Stevens, Minnesota's Teacher of the Year in 2006 and twice a finalist for the National Teachers Hall of Fame, has been a K through K-12 teacher and education leader for 33 years. 33 years. She is a former racial equity coach for St. Louis Park Schools and currently serves as the district's equity teacher leader and high-achievement program coordinator serving black, indigenous, and people of color who take advanced classes. Welcome to Dr. Leanne Stevens. How are you?
3: I am doing well. Thank you very much.
2: You know, it was important for me to read that much. I know it's probably a lot when you're listening to all of that, knowing it's all about you. (laughs) But I really want people to know how significant you have been in education and how many uh, students have really... um, grown under your your tutelage. So as we look at who you are and why you do what you do, I can only say I know who you are from what I've read, but I don't know who you are as a teacher. But what I've heard are nothing but praise. Tell me what it's like to continue to teach.
3: You know, for me, teaching really does bring me a lot of joy. And so I really understand, like, particularly because of what's been happening the last few years, like with the pandemic and the struggles um, that have been occurring in education. But for me, I'm able to still find a sense of joy from the students um, because the students that I serve, they are glad that I'm there. They're glad to be there. Um, They're glad to be able to interact with me and spend time with me and share space and time. And so for me, um, I still, after all these years, I still get a
2: lot of joy from teaching. You are highly educated. Um, you are a teacher who loves what she does. And I'm trying to figure out why we don't see enough of that. And we really don't. We don't hear enough about teachers that really love their jobs. I have heard complaints from teachers who used to love it, and they feel like they are not supported uh, today. You know, you've you got to keep growing. When you, even when you're a teacher, you got to keep growing. How do you make that happen in your life?
3: You know, it's so interesting because I do believe that there's still a lot of teachers out there who um, do enjoy it. And I feel like their voices might be um, muffled. (laughs) You know, we may not be hearing from them, but um, I, you know, I work with people who still do enjoy showing up every single day. But for me, again, it always comes down to the students. And, um being able to look at them and have hope for the future and being able to develop these student leaders, like that's what keeps me keeps me going every day. You've
2: been teaching K through 12, is that correct?
3: So I've, that, I've had experience in that range, right, so when I first started off teaching, I taught first grade, and then I moved to like fifth and sixth grade, um, and now I'm at high school in St. Louis Park. So, so then had, how does it, go ahead, go right experience. ahead. I've had elementary experience and high school experience.
2: Okay. So when you move from class to class, grade to grade, um, there is something to learn at every peak, right? Um, and as you, do you write it down? Do you say to yourself, don't forget what happened in kindergarten? Don't forget what successes happened then. Do you do that for every, um, every year that you are
3: teaching? You know what? I don't think I write it down physically, but I do have it in my memory.
2: Okay. So note. I,
3: yeah, I do remember, you know, uh, students who have impacted my life or students whose lives I've impacted. So I do keep, you know, remembering that. I think that's important to keep those successes, um, you know, in my mind. And so, and it just, for me, it's a really great m- reminder of why I do what I do.
2: So you do what you do. Of course, you've heard about all of the stories and challenges of, you know, making sure the books stay in the schools, that these young people, the children and the um, teenagers really need to learn about our history, not just the history that, you know, one group of people may want them to know, but to really overall be very clear on who we are uh, as the United States. Um, And I'm just curious to know, are you concerned this year for the books that are still on the shelves? that the children will have access to? Or are you concerned about them not necessarily having the ability to um, read certain books that you think they really should read?
3: You know, it's interesting. I think for me, um, I'm probably more concerned about what we're trying to withhold uh, and why are we trying to do that. Because I really believe it's important for us to make sure that students are critical thinkers um, and they can come up with uh, decisions on their own. So I believe that, you know, giving them that information, having it out there, and then they can make a decision. They can decide what they want to, you know, take in and what they don't. But I don't believe it's um, for me to withhold all of that from them because I know the students with whom I uh, talk with and the students who are involved with um, my student groups who's organized for anti-racism – they are hungering, like they're having these conversations. They're having conversations about race. They're having conversations about curriculum that um, reflects who they are and reflects not just the dominant narrative, but reflects uh, students of color and indigenous students. And so they they want that, and that's why they appreciate being a part of Students Organized for Anti-Racism because for them that really is a space where they can grow and they can learn and they can take in all the information, um, and then they can make decisions on their own. Um, But, you know, I rather have them asking questions um, than for me to try to give them all all the answers, because I really do believe that we need to continue to create um, a community of, of learners and students who are, like, always thinking, and we can't do that if we're trying to like monitor every single thing that they take in and withhold it from them because we feel like they might be uncomfortable or um, it might make them feel guilty. Um, And I think that's, that's big piece, right? Like talking, you know, we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, Um, but we have students of color who are feeling uncomfortable every single day in their, in their classroom spaces because the curriculum doesn't reflect them. Um, And they're not, they're not seen as brilliant. And so I think that's, So that's where the conversation needs to go.
2: Well, I am excited that you have been named uh, the the one to to really lead this cultural uh, jambalaya, jambalaya's annual gala, which will be held at 5.30 p.m. on Thursday, October 13th at the Metropolitan Ballroom in Golden Valley, Minnesota. And of course, it's also uh, featuring the speaker, uh, Chef Yi Vang, uh, James Beard Award nominee who honors his Hmong heritage by combining his local traditions with those from his family's cultural traditions. So I'm really, I, I will be there and I'm very excited to hear you speak to hear you get your um acceptance here to know that you have been honored um well deserved by the way and i can't wait to meet you so i'm looking forward to it well thank you
3: so much and i really appreciate
2: you taking the time uh so let me talk a little bit well talk a little bit you and i could talk a lot we both like to talk (laughs) I could listen to you for a while, okay? I just want you to know that. So thank you so much for um, staying with us tonight and giving us your story. Dr. Leanne Stevens, so excited to meet you on October 13th. You take care. All right,
3: you too. Thank you.
2: All right. All right, everyone, that is all about uh, cultural jambalaya. And if you don't know who they are, look them up. They are a nonprofit, and they do a lot of great work. We're going to take a break and do some... uh, Uh, news and we'll come back or do some spots and we'll do come back in a moment
0: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today
2: Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Steel Talking. Uh, I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. This is Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. This is the hour. We really honor uh, so many artists here in the great state of Minnesota, and there are so many great things that are happening. And for this segment, Winona LaDuke is going to join us, Executive Director of Honor the Earth. I am so excited to hear her voice tonight because I just think what she has been doing with her life is so integral and it is important, and we should never forget. The work that is being done. And what are we here to talk about is Dafero Wunatai, reservation dogs, and National Geographic model and water protector Kunana Chasing Horse, added as a featured speaker and presenters at annual Water is Life Festival, September 4th at Bayfront Park in Duluth. And I want to say welcome back to La 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 Nona. Oh my gosh, I'm getting this wrong tonight. (sighs) <sighs> Winona LaDuke. how Hi are you, there. honey? Hey now. It's oh, great good. to hear your thanks, voice. Thanks
4: for having me on. Great, Gla- yeah, great to have I'm, you on. I'm so happy tell us to be
2: on your show. Oh, it's been a while since I've seen you, but boy did we have a good time. Okay, so tell us all about this Water is Life Festival at the Bayfront Park in Duluth.
4: Well, you know, we've actually been there for about five or six years, but this last year and this year are the first big ones. And a kind of a standalone in the festival landscape, with an unprecedented collection of indigenous and other artists, musicians, actors, and leaders coming together to say, "Water is life," and rocks and music on the water. And so, you no- know, of course, you have like, uh-huh, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is that you have everything from. You know, Keith Sokola, Joe Rainey, Lowe, Allison Russell to the Indigo Girls and of course Annie DeFranco all coming out with David Huckfeld and geez, Corey Medina. He's squeezing us in before he goes down to the state fair. We got some great musicians coming in and we're all here to talk about the water is life and really celebrate the water and talk about how we need to protect it. And we're, we're really honored that, that more, you know, luminaries, actors are coming in. uh, you know Gary Farmer, uh, Uncle Brownie, and Quanta Chasing Horse. She's she's a Vogue model. She's on the cover of National Geographic. She's just, you know, really a remarkable young woman. And she's a water protector. So they're all coming in to, to uh to rock something by the water and uh, honor the water, and also and also talk about why we need to protect the water in our Great Lakes.
2: Do you think that um, the climate changes we've been seeing and experiencing all across this country, do you think people are finally understanding how important it is, what you've been talking about for decades, how you've been fighting for the water? Um, do people really get it?
4: You know, I think that catastrophes teach you things, you know, which is a sad statement, but it's, you know, it has been the worst drought in the history of the state last year since in my lifetime, and a sky that was red all last summer with the forest fires in the north. It's, you know, it's it's some scary times, you know, catastrophes of biblical proportions. I think some people are waking up, and I think that people would like, a you know, a way out. They'd like to know that there's going to be some food, you know, in the store, or that they can grow their own food, and that their water's going to be drinkable, and that, you know, their energy systems are going to work because they're local. And I think that there's a lot of people interested in having a more secure future and and really getting back in balance with mother earth because uh, really you don't want to pick a fight with mother nature you're not going to win so you know a lot of this movement and of course this concert is really about you know how to give people some good suggestions on on things we can take action on together and as well the solutions that are right here whether it's hemp you know i'm a hemp farmer industrial hemp or whether it's renewable energy or whether it's you know, refiguring things so we don't move so, things so darn far, you know, and get a little bit more local, you know. And Duluth is a place to do a lot of that, Duluth and Superior. You know, it's uh, – these are uh, – you know, this is a beautiful twin cities and uh, twin ports of the north, and, and we'd like to keep them that way. And, you know, no oil, no exploding refineries, that would all be great and, uh, a, you know, beautiful future on the lake.
2: Final question for you. You constantly pour out, uh, to so many to so try to get them to understand the importance of what you are trying to do. Um, you are standing by at all times. And I just wonder how, how do you fill up again? How do you say to yourself, okay, I've poured out for the last 15, 20 years and now I need to, you know, build it all back up again so that I can keep going back to do my work. How do you do that? What do you find that makes it a difference for well, you? Okay, first of all,
4: I have a motto, and it's an all-summer motto, a lake a day. A lake a day, which means i got to go in the lake. Not, you know, so Most of the time I swim, but maybe I just go take a good splash. So yesterday I was on Superior. Mm-hmm. I was up on Madeline Island listening to the surf. You know, beautiful. if you just go and be someplace beautiful, you, you, all, you know exactly what I mean. Listening to the surf can clear your head, that's and uh, that's what I do. You know, every day I go make sure that I'm around beautiful things and, and then take a breath as I need and uh you know, I, I like to you know, honor honor things, go powwow uh, you know, at our at our ceremonies and uh, you know, just live a good life. That that helps a lot. <laughs>
2: Well, you have some superstars that are involved in this, and and you are one of the superstars as well, my dear. So I really am looking forward to this. This is August 12th of 2020. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me the date when this September begins. 4th.
4: September <laughs> Thank 4th. Thank you. Sunday, September 4th in Duluth, Bayfront Park. Uh, First Avenue is producing it. You can get your tickets online, Water is Life Fest. And uh, I don't know if we've got that linked up there, but, you know, you can go to the Honor the Earth website and... Um, come join us you know last year we had a rocking concert, and uh, you know four thousand people out and we're looking to increase that and we're ready and we're and we're ready to roll um, so listen thanks for the call and I hope to see you down there and just remember everybody you know be a water protector it's a good thing
2: <laughs> I just love how you love to work for the planet Thank you so much Winona. great to t- have you on tonight. And for everyone that's listening, September, you're welcome. Sunday, September 4th is when it's all happening. The gates open at 12 noon. All ages event tickets are $40. You can purchase at AXS or just go to bit, which is B-I-T dot L-Y slash water is life fest. Check it out, you guys. Even Dessa is on this one. This is huge. All right. We'll be back in a moment. All right, this is the time when we get a chance to talk to the Lee theater critic over at the Star Tribune. We call him Rohan Preston, that's his name, and I love having him on center stage. How you doing, my friend? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I got to see you today at church. <laughs> <laughs> <Say> amen, amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. Geraldine does not go to church often. I mean, I grew up going to church like... uh, probably three times on the weekend and then just about every night of the week. There was meetings, wow. choir rehearsals, and so much more. Um, and so I have absolute faith. I am a Christian, but man, I don't go to church often. Uh, I have actually watched on tele- on, on um, online many times, mm-hmm. but it was powerful today. And and I'm just wondering, when you were in Jamaica, born and raised, um, was mm-hmm. was religion was your faith um, at the forefront of your life and your family?
5: Oh, absolutely! And in fact, um, um, we were—what uh, what, we, you'd call it—polyfaith, because we were Catholics on Sundays and Baptists on Wednesdays. Really? Yeah, yeah. My That's my incredible. grandfather was. Yeah, we went to different churches in the community and um, on different nights.
2: That's amazing. You know, um, I I remember reading a book when I was at Concordia getting my undergrad degree. And Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading about how um, um, many people in Middle East, you know, Muslims that... Um, learn other faiths first before they even read their own sacred text, um, and I found that fascinating. I thought, why don't we do that? I mean, I would have loved to have learned about all of the, as many as possible, of those faiths that I didn't know much about or their sacred texts I had never read. I would have loved that. So to hear that you you went on one night and and was taught Catholic, and went another night, it was. I mean, that's remarkable to me. It what is it? What, well,
5: what's interesting? What, what was it about? You know, it's like you learn uh, that one is like um, has more doctrine um, mm-hmm. than, you know, and, and more ritual uh, is more ritualistic than the other and, and where things can be. It's like, how can you have a wedding? Like, what are, you know, what, what are the, the ceremonies for one faith um, in terms of um, like a wedding or a funeral? All the high moments all of those um, are scripted very differently and some have more room than others for sort of reflection, personal reflection, that kind of stuff. You know,
3: I
2: would have loved to have been able to learn like that. Uh, that must have been quite remarkable for you. And when you left Jamaica and went off to college, um, were you able to hold on to some of those thoughts and understandings about other faiths? Um, did you get more involved yeah, to learn you know, about
5: I more? Yeah, and, and that's a really great question because I, I did study and read about not just uh, Christianity, but Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, um, Shintoism, uh, very, you know, other, other, other forms, other faiths. And uh, yeah, I think that's really, really important for us because these are the things that define uh, the vast majority of humanity and, 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 understanding uh, not just um, uh, the the, uh, the the beliefs, but also how those beliefs order people's lives. Um, you know, it, it's really important. And it's interesting that I cover theater because uh, there's so much that's theatrical and so much that's dramatic about um, how faith is practiced, how faith is interpreted, uh, how faith is promulgated uh, and how it continues
3: you
2: know exactly and of course you know i've been looking at theater and how they um prescribe to faith right the the afterlife and um from the Christian experience to so many others, like the Book of Mormon. A lot of people are laughing, but some people really gleaned a lot from that piece. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is still very famous. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor. I mean, we could go on and on. And I'm just curious, is it different for you to see a piece on the theater stage that you've loved for many years, and then all of a sudden it turns and it's something that is more religious? And how do you feel about that, or what have you heard from the audience?
1: Well,
5: you know, that's a great, great question, and I, it, it's a question that occurred to me today because during the baptism, they they quoted this. They sang a song from the Lion King, which is the reversal, like how the secular gets into the sacred and how the sacred gets into the secular, uh, which, you know, because there's so many, um, many different ways of that. I mean, it's a it's not even a two way street. It's like a, a roundabout in a way, because all this <laughs> stuff is, you know, coming and going all the time, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, when I, when I, when I see shows um, and see shows that deal with, uh, certainly with spirituality and faith, I'm, I, I have a, a ton of questions, but I, 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 when I go to a show and I have to tell you this um, too, in I, I try to be as open as possible, and I I do that old uh, commercial from the seventies um, where you go, Calgon, take me away. And <laughs> you know, I try to try to try to be as just as open so that you're not like closing off any any of the experience. You know what I mean?
2: Right. But your job appears to be one that has to, um, literally, reach out. Right and and pull all of that in so that you can retain it and understand it and of course speak about it and I'm curious to know what that's like when it's something so desperate and awful versus something that is very religious that can almost insult people uh, you know mm-hmm. it's got to be interesting how you um, deal with all of that when it comes to theater
5: yeah and uh, I mean it, it's a continuous like, right? Conversation issue, um, you know, in terms of awareness. I mean, you mentioned the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. and that is um, is true in many ways to the faith belief. It didn't, you know, it's done in a comic way, um, but it's not sacrilegious as far as I could see. And and with that, you know, it's like my job too is to speak as intelligently as I can about this uh, these subjects without sort of replicating any ignorance. Do you know what I mean? And or I any mean. any you know, anything that, that maybe um that can set someone off or maybe disrespectful and so on and so forth. And and so that is that is you know, I I I love that challenge because it 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 continuously Education, continuous growth—not uh, just intellectually, or even spiritually and emotionally, but in all ways—and and so I I love I love that love that challenge.
2: It is a huge challenge, I know, with Gospel at Colonus. Um, You know, being on the stage, even going to Broadway, it's just remarkable how people were moved by it. They saw it more as a religion, a religious movement at times. You know, we heard people say, God is in this space, right? Uh, Which is really powerful. And then there were others going, so was that all fake? I mean... How did you guys do that? It was really a remarkable thing. I am so blessed to have been a part of that. Even though I didn't do the Broadway run like my siblings did, I am so honored to have been a piece of that. So how do you, um when you look at the pieces that you go to see on the stages and you say yeah. to yourself, it's time now for another piece, when do you see it happen? Is it usually around Christmas? Is it usually around Easter when something new comes to the stage that deals with religion?
5: Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's any time. I mean, there, there are a couple of things I have to say about that. But one is that because the, the, um, the shows that are out there have, are, have become so, such standard, they, um, they really um, have a great place and a dominant place um, on the stage. Um, uh, so there isn't, as, as far as I see, there hasn't been as much of a clamor for the new, new work. But I also want to say that uh, there's a lot of spirituality infused in so much that we see and do. And sometimes it's a, something as small as a, a chorus that sounds like a gospel choir, right? Um right. And, and sometimes it's the whole show. Um, so, you know, the, the, the form itself, theater itself, and especially musical theater, um, is sort of redolent sort of um infused with uh spirituality um and and specific types of spirituality um and of course we talk about you know, christianity but um you know rumi shows up um other other things uh show up as as well and and um you know the Greeks, um when they were um doing their their Thing. they saying they were invoking the spirit, but they weren't not necessarily invoking uh, Christianity. You know, they were right. in Dionysus um, or you know Pan. You know, the Romans would say. Um, so they, they were, you know the the, uh, the ancients were doing something similar, which is like it, it basically. And and this is where I, I will come down. It's like this is all spirit work, right? Mm-hmm. It's spirit work, and it's and it's or uh, working with uh, spirit evocation, and and hopefully it's evocation for the best of all of us. You know? So to
2: be clear, are you when you write about musicals specifically? Um, it seems mm-hmm. to be something you really enjoy. In fact, you enjoy theater, period. But you know, musicals. I, I know I love them, and I'm just curious I, to know. I've grown to love them. I have grown to love them. Yes. You know? You have grown to love them. Okay, so you didn't always Yeah. Well
5: initially, no, I mean when you know, the first time I was a teenager, I, I think I saw my first musical I may have been like thirteen or something like that. Um yeah, I think it was yeah, it was thirteen. Fourteen at the at the latest. But what's interesting is like, you know, like people they're not natural, right? People don't I don't wake up uh, in the morning and say good morning you know I don't do that right
2: but <laughs> but is it as easy to write a review for a musical that is does not have any religious um, uh, points to it or vice versa
5: well I think you know I, I, I would I would back out of that a little bit and say uh, it, it's not even that it has a religious point per se. say it's like what is uh, what is the big question? What is the animating question? What is the thing that that has meaning for all of us? Because essentially that's what religion does, right? Provides uh, frameworks and answers and meaning for our lives. And is this show providing something uh, along those lines, you know, or is it simply a diversion or an entertainment? Um, So I try to judge the shows um, certainly on their own merits um, and not to, you know, prejudge and just to just to be open. You know, when I go see a a comedy at the Brave New Workshop, um, you know, I I sort of know know what to expect in a way in in terms of laughter and and sending up um, the foibles of, of humanity and politicians and and famous people and and, and then, you know, social media trends and what have you. Um, But I don't necessarily expect to see something that resonates with faith. Do you know what I mean?
2: See, this is why I love talking to you. Uh, Really, you've brought clarity to me about this because I was really curious when you have – you know, pieces on the stage and theater that really speak about religion. Um, and, and people, like you know, you don't want people to be offended or that sort of thing, but it's impossible. Somebody's going to be offended every time, wherever you go. So, uh, just knowing that that's yeah. how you look through that lens, that's really beautiful, um, Rohan. And it was so good to see you today. So, thank you for joining us today.
5: And this is a great, I love this conversation too, because, you know, theater came out of um, faith practice. That's and right. faith practices. Is- is deeply enmeshed with the theatrical practice. So I just, you know, I, I love that. The, the other thing, too, and you mentioned it, and I want to ask you about this, you know, sometimes people ask, um, I ask actors, like, what are you calling on when you're performing? So when you were in Gospel of Colonus, um, did you call on your faith as you performed?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely and and i didn't even think about it it just happened and the mm-hmm. audience at the same time participated in all of that i mean there was there was one night the uh, in brooklyn academy of music it caught on fire and here we are on the stage we never moved because the spirit was in the room and people started getting up and shouting in the aisles and calling out for God and not because they were afraid. They thought, wow, this is amazing. So, uh, yeah, and I still do today. If I'm on the stage, a the- theatrical stage, which I don't do hardly ever. Um, I Yeah, absolutely. My faith um, is right there at all times. So there you go. We have to go. We have got to continue this conversation, okay? We will make time to continue this conversation. This is Rohan Preston joining us. You've been with me for many years now, and I am so grateful to have you on tonight. Uh, If people want more information about your articles, all they do is go to StarTribune.com slash Rohan Preston. Take care of yourself, Roh.
5: Thank you so much. Great seeing you.
2: You too, sir. Good night. All right, everyone, we'll be back with our final guest for this hour, Mick Sterling, his tribute to Elvis Costello we're talking about. Welcome back to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment right here at WCCO Radio. Um, if you have not heard about some of the artists that we've talked about tonight, um, I do understand there are so many great artists. Of course, we were looking for um, our own Mick Sterling, who is doing a tribute to Elvis Costello. That is happening on August 28th at 7 p.m., but we were not able to reach him tonight, unfortunately. Um, so I will have to tell you then about my brother Fred and I. I've mentioned this before, and I am so excited that we are doing our- Our show, again, it's called Duos, Duets, and Pairings featuring myself and my brother Fred Steele. And for the first time ever, um, we presented this about, oh, maybe a month or a month and a half ago. And we had so much fun, sold out a blast. I'm talking about music that will inspire you, lift you up, have fun, sing along. You want to get in the aisle and just kind of dance to it. It is a blast. It really is. And then there are songs that are romantic and beautiful and meaningful as well. So we do hope that you will come and check us out. This is happening on uh, August 24th. That is this week. The show starts at 7 p.m. And again, it's called Duos, Duets, and Pairings with Geraldine and Fred Steele. I can't wait to see your faces there. There are still some tickets available and we cannot wait to see you on Thursday night. Oh, I'm going to have a blast, y'all. I'm serious. I'm going to have a blast. Also, my sister Javita and I are doing a show at the Dakota on September 10th. Tickets are on sale as well. Javita's daughter, Jasmine, who can sing her face off, let me tell you. Um, she is joining us again along with our brother Fred on piano and the musicians that are joining us. We're so excited about it. So just come. We love to sing for you. And you always give back to us in love and support and so much more. So thank you for all that you do for all of the artists in the great state of Minnesota. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, if you've ever seen someone listed at any of the venues, especially at the State Fair, of course, we know that there are going to be quite uh, a a difference in some of the grandstand um, um, artists. I remember when I first started going to the State Fair um, that so many people thought, Oh, it's only country singers that are singing. Well, uh, no, that's long gone. Although we do have a lot of great country artists, um, on that stage at the grandstand. But um, honestly, you you will be surprised sometimes at some of the places where you can hear hip-hop, not on the grandstand stage, but there's so much more music going on uh, right there at the Minnesota State Fair. So look it up. Find out what is happening this year when it comes to concerts and stay tuned to it. Really pay attention to who they are and what is happening and why they were brought here for this. Um, I'm really excited about all of it. We got the Counting Crows coming August 26th, and uh, Alice in Chains with Breaking Benjamin, that's August 25th. Portugal, The Man, and Manhaster Orchestra. Oh, Pitbull is coming August 28th. Everybody's been talking about that. The Beach Boys and The Temptations are coming on August 29th. Uh, Jim Gaffigan is coming to the Minnesota State Fair on August 30th at 7 p.m. as well. Um, Rio, uh, REO Speedwagon and Sticks, and so much more. Even Diana Ross is coming on September 3rd. So get out, get your tickets, and support the Grandstand Artist as well. All right, it's been a pleasure for this hour. I just love, love Center Stage. I get a chance to learn about all types of artists. And because I have great producers, whether it is Jonathan Lowe or Chris Tubbs or both, uh, even Jimmy Erickson every now and then stepping in from time to time, I just love it. So thank you so much for supporting us and coming out and making sure that we have an opportunity to be on the stage. There you go. All right, everyone, coming up next is the Mom and Michael Hour. But I must tell you, Mama, Michael is not joining us tonight, unfortunately, but I am so excited for him to join us next Sunday. So stay tuned. Jonathan and I are going to have a ball.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.